0: You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Welcome back to Gospel-Centered Rest. I'm Jothan, and I'm going to be joining the podcast today. Um, This sermon this week, it tackled 1 Peter 18-25, to and that talked largely about submission of slaves to masters. Um, Just as context, I want to read a little portion of what was read during the sermon. The modern reader winces at the words slaves and masters. However, in the ancient world, there were many slaveries, and I think that's very important. But, Pastor David, why is it that people see this as almost a promotion of slavery, or why doesn't the Bible speak directly against slavery?
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good question, and I think that's why you quoted or read a portion of a quote from Timothy Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor. Because when we think about slavery, um, we, we wince because we think of the African slave trade, uh, which was race based, lifelong, and it was really based on, on kidnapping. Um the New Testament slavery, while there was a lot of suffering that took place, um it, it was it was different. Um many in the first century were you know some were conquered in battle and became slaves but really by the time Peter and Paul were writing a lot of the slaves were either born into slavery and and slavery could look different you could have cruel masters or um you could have gentler kind masters or you could even be um a doctor professor administrator civil servant um and 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 enjoy uh, some um, some of those f- freedoms, even mm-hmm. even even if it was in slavery, uh, and so understanding the the differences in slavery, and and I, I don't know if everybody uh, when 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 that's brought against the Bible, um, in fact in in first century you couldn't imagine a Roman society without that type yeah. of slavery, not um, the African slave trade slavery, but but the type of slavery that was going on, and again, just like employers today employees, there, there's good employees and there's or employers, there's bad employers, there's cruel employers. Um, and it's still, and, and again, it still doesn't take away the fact that some were very harsh and some were mm-hmm. very brutal and some suffered um, unjustly. And that's why Peter is writing. In fact, Peter writes his, his letter because it was a persecuted church. And there was just some unspeakable suffering that was going on at that time. So I think when somebody says, well, does the Bible promote slavery? Part of the question is, well, what, how do you understand slavery? Um, so that, um, and then how do you understand promote? Um, mm-hmm. And that's why the second part of your question is, um, why doesn't the Bible speak more directly against slavery? I think, uh, well, to answer it, no, the Bible doesn't promote slavery. Okay. Um, yeah. And why doesn't the Bible speak more directly against slavery? I think just two quick answers. And again, there's so much that can be discussed, but we're just trying to lay some broad parameters. First of all, um, the Bible doesn't speak more directly against slavery because the primary emphasis of the gospel or of the Bible and Peter is is the gospel. And the gospel is what's subversive. Uh, the gospel kind of take, works from the heart um, of either the slave or the master and brings about a change in slavery. And then the second part is the Bible doesn't speak more directly about slavery um, because once that gospel part begins to take place in the hearts of masters and slaves, then the institution of slavery begins to change. So, um, if if you put everything that the Bible says about slavery together, uh, what ends up happening is, and, and we saw this Sunday morning, is um, the the institute of slavery is emptied of someone says of its inner content. Uh, it, it it works in such a way where the principles of slavery are so undermined and abolished that any and all forms of slavery become null and void over a period of time. And that's what took place. These principles um, were used by men like William Wilberforce uh, to say the African slave trade, especially the African slave trade, um, is is um, anti-Christian and anti-scripture.
0: And I, I think that's so important when you talk about slavery or use these terms you have to put them in a cultural context
1: cultural and biblical context exactly so
0: of course it's not going to necessarily directly speak on them and it's talking about something different um now we do see in bible we see the story of philemon and onesimus now paul sends onesimus a christian slave back to his christian master philemon now what does that story teach us about being a slave to a master
1: yeah Again, Philemon is such an excellent book to understand um, the issue of slavery. And I think Paul, in two verses of this letter, uh, writes such, um, such a prof- in such a profound way that eventually it, um, Onesimus would still be a slave, but it would be a vastly different relationship. So in verse 16, no longer as a slave, I'll, just, I'll read verse 15, Mm -hmm. for perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time so that you might get him back permanently. So you might get Anesimus, Philemon, you might get Anesimus back permanently. And then verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave. So Anesimus would still fulfill his role, but he would be more than a slave. What would he be? He would be as a dearly loved brother. He is especially so to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Then verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would me. And it's, it's, it's actually those last few words. Um, not only in, in now in um, Onesimus' Onesimus's relationship with Christ. They are brothers in Christ. But welcome in, him as you would me. He's, he's your equal. So treat him um, as you would me. And that is a prof- that, that's what eradicates um, slavery. That's what um, puts uh, the workplace or, or makes a workplace so profoundly um, Christian or biblical, if mm-hmm. we can put it that way, is we treat one another not as slave and master, but if you're Christians as brothers, brothers and sisters, or if you're just on a human level, created in the image of God
0: and that can be so powerful just of the gospel it doesn't work at the structure of things it works at the heart
1: yeah um and that that's why we talk about uh scripture and Paul and and even in the old testament when when there was slavery that was spoken about the the, the way that god set up um like every 7 years a slave would be free mm-hmm. um if you if you were an Israelite slave uh so even the way it it just transformed what was taking place in culture, yeah. um, which could often be cruel, and gave it dignity and and gave it um, purpose. Really. Yeah. Now, we can we can read
0: about how you know we see these these slave to master relationships in a context of you know the early church and and Paul's letters, but. You know, how are we to apply that to our lives today? Like, what, what does this, how does this impact our employee-employer relationship that you'd find in the workplace?
1: Yeah, I think if we just use, for example, uh, the first Peter 2 passage about household slaves, at minimum, it says these two things. First of all, our working, uh, our where we work can be a broken, broken place. Yeah. And it can be a difficult place. And uh, I think God prepares us for that. That, like it says back in Genesis 3, that there will be thorns and thistles. Um, And when we read about uh, slaves, household slaves, who continue to submit to cruel masters, we can examine our circumstances and say, am I thinking that it needs to be better Um, because I have a misunderstanding of this world? We live in a sinful, broken world. We will live um, with sinful, broken relationships in our workplaces and there will be thorns and thistles. So I think at at minimum it tells us that um, we we are going to find ourselves in difficult circumstances uh, and we we have to endure. And then I think the second thing that we realize is ultimately God is our boss. Mm -hmm. And that's what we read of in verse uh, 18. We do it with all reverence not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel ones. Um, we're not ultimately submitting to um, those in direct authority over us. We're ultimately submitting to who God is. <laughs> and the reason why that's important is this reverence is not just this fear in terms of um, the greatness of God, but the the closeness of God. Um, that, that he would draw close to us and he would teach us how to interact with those who we find difficult with, to love, to forgive, um, to to do our job to the best of our ability because that's what God calls us to. So a reverence to God gives us this sense of um, what he's done in us because of who he is, and it gives us that purpose so that we can be those who, who just are different by our actions, by our words, by, by our attitude, um, by how we treat. Um, and respect others,
0: and it's not easy. I mean, we live right. in a fallen world, and yeah. you know, unfortunately, there are cruel masters. Yeah. And you know, we even read in here earlier from the the sermon this week. It's you know, there was good evidence that some of the slavery was cruel and harsh. Yeah. Um, not all of it was peachy, as you know. Yeah. But you know, how do we wisely endure some of this suffering? You know, whether it's a, a bad boss, um, you know, just. Um, a, a tough ruler, um, how do we wisely endure that just yeah. suffering? Are we to, are we being asked to endure it or just stay suffering? Or are there opportunities to leave? Like, what do we do?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's I'm glad you added the word wisely, uh, because sometimes we can read a passage like this and say, okay, well, I just have to endure unjust suffering. Um, but the Bible talks about this in multiple places, as we'll see in just a moment. And we want to try to put together we want to try to think deeply about these things and not just read this and say okay well i'm stuck so i have to i have to live this way now back in peter's day a lot of them were stuck yeah. they they just I, I, like i said sunday morning you can imagine some some slave saying man i'm just so thankful i have a gentle and kind master and then you can think of other slaves who say oh i have a cruel master and this is this is what's this is you know this is my lot in life uh and so i think i think first peter answers both of those actually i think first peter first of all or the bible answers both of those um aspects first of all if we are stuck if we cannot like the slaves and who who were you know they may even been persecuted because that's one of the main themes in first peter they may even be persecuted as slaves for doing what's right that's why i think later on and 1 Peter chapter three. Um, can you imagine being harmed when you're when you're doing something that's good? Um, and the slaves might have really tried to tried to do what's good, and they still get persecuted. Not so much because of what's good, but because they're living out their Christian faith. So not only do they have cruel masters who are cruel in terms of of their of slavery, but they're also cruel in terms of their Christianity. So um, some of these some of these slaves were just in tough tough positions and. There are times where we cannot uh, necessarily remove ourselves and we have to endure unjust suffering. And I think just quickly, two, three ways that um, that uh, First Peter helps us is that whole reverence concept. We are doing this before God. And then as we saw Sunday morning, reverence leads to a consciousness, which then leads to a desire um, to serve God. And it's when we come under serving God that we know that he will, as we read in the passage, he will bring his favor. Um, he is, he loves us. I mean, he loves us all the time, but he loves us when we're serving him and glorifying his name. When we're suffering unjustly, that's not a that's not a god who loves to see us suffer. But it's as we because that leads us to the second thing: a reverence leads to a consciousness of God, which then leads to a desire to serve God, um, which ultimately points us to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the most sacrificial. He suffered the most. um, (coughs) He experienced and endured the most unjust suffering. And that's why you have verses 21 through 25 saying, um, when we understand the gospel and when we follow the example of Jesus Christ, then we begin to connect our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ Uh, and see that in the sufferings of Christ we're not only given example but we're given hope because as Jesus could entrust himself to God so then those who suffer like Christ in unjust suffering can entrust themselves to God and so what did God do with the unjust sufferings of Jesus rose or he was raised from the dead um, to a new life and that's the that's the amazing backwards thinking of the gospel is that you could endure this, entrusting yourself to God, and you find your freedom, maybe not in your circumstances, but like we read in chapter 2, verse 16, we find our freedom um, as um, in submission, uh, because God sets us free in those ways.
0: And that is so powerful to think, you know, you don't have, you, you, you bow down to God, essentially, at the end of the day.
1: You do, and and it's hard, like... I I don't think we want to miss out that this is unjust suffering. Mm -hmm. I mean, our Jesus spoke about this, like go the second mile, give the second cloak. Um, Those are just unnatural responses. Rejoice when you're persecuted, who rejoices when they're persecuted. But when we go through these moments of unjust suffering and we can't get out of them, (laughs) then uh, there is this amazing work in God that we find a different freedom. And the freedom is actually greater Uh, because we have this freedom in God to live as we were created to live in relationship with God, then those who, humanly speaking, would be the most free people that we could imagine. Mm -hmm. You think of Ecclesiastes, and Solomon writes Ecclesiastes, and he says, I had all this money, I had all these people, I had all this pleasure. And at the end, it was meaningless. It was empty. Uh, There was no ultimate freedom in that. But then, like you mentioned earlier, that leads to the other question, well, what happens if you can become free yeah. and and that's I think that's what helps balance Peter out is there were those slaves who were able to to be free so in First Corinthians 7 verse 21 were you called while a slave don't let it concern you, but if you can become free by all means take the opportunity for he who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of people. So, <laughs> excuse me, interesting that um, if if you can get out, get out. And mm-hmm. that's that's part of the message of the Bible. But um, he's talking about being a freed man in Christ. And that's the amazing thing is we, we're free in Christ. We've been set free in Christ. Uh, so no matter our position... We live not as slaves to sin, but Christ slaves serving him, master, slave, employer, employee, whoever it might be.
0: It is such a dense little passage, even just yeah. a
1: few verses.
0: It can unpack so much from, you know, just submission of slave and suffering. Yeah. It is not simple. And
1: I like what you just said because um, I did have a question um, asking if something like this we can relate to marriage. Mm-hmm. And like you say, um, it has to be read within its context. Yeah. So just as um, if if you're in an unjust marriage, um, and we'll see this with wives and husbands, and you see this in other places, no, you should not stay in an abusive relationship. Um, if you were a slave and you had an opportunity to leave, whatever that looked like back then, yes, you should. But don't become a free person to, to um, understand that, free person um, understand that you're you're free in Christ and now you're free to follow Christ um, so I, I think we also have to understand it within its context yeah
0: um, it's you just from the the sermon to just being able to break it down again with the podcast it's it's really awesome to see um, there's a lot in there from the context the history to you know how do we treat our our actual neighbors or our bosses our employees um I think that is so impactful and thank you for help breaking that down and just being able to share that wisdom with yeah. us
1: and I hope for people it's it's the start of a discussion yeah we we've only in fact you and I know we struggle a bit with this podcast because it is some of the things that we say could be misunderstood or we we could say more but we have to keep it within a certain time frame um it, it what what we're trying to do is say these things, um, they, they need extra discussion. Um, and we're just trying to say, have we as a church thought deeply about these things? Mm-hmm. Are, are we, you know, are we standing against racism or like it was mentioned, you know, the sex slave trade or the, the other. Suppressions of sp- any kind. That's right. Yeah. Or even what's happened in our country historically, um, presently. Uh, and, and and just searching our hearts and saying, are, are we freed in Christ, whether, um, you know, in, in the position, various positions that God's given us to live out of a reverence for God? And if we are called um, to suffer unjustly, do we do that wisely? Yeah. Well, thank you
0: for joining on the podcast. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you, Jotham. Um, definitely look forward to hearing, hopefully next Sunday's um message and then the podcast following Wednesday thank you